Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs, and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information to help you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity so you, the introverted, mission-driven entrepreneur, can achieve your biggest goals. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others, and I hope you will decide to become a fan of the show on my site at winnieanderson.com fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox every week along with the worksheet for that week, and you'll also receive information, tips, and resources to help you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity and achieve your biggest business goals. If you're a solo professional, freelancer, author, expert, or even someone who runs a small firm, today's topic may not be the most sexy thing to hear about, but it's certainly among the most important things you'll hear. You may have heard me talk about a friend of mine who ran a small firm. There were periods of time in any given year that during the planning times when it was just her and her partner, who was also her life partner at the time. When things went sour in their relationship, he somehow got her connected to a lawsuit. Just defending herself and getting herself removed from the suit cleaned her life savings out. Then the terror attacks of September 11th happened and business took a nosedive then. And then the crash of 2008 happened. She was devastated. I tell you that story because bad things do happen to good people, and as business professionals, it's important that we take the steps necessary to protect ourselves, and that's what today's episode is all about. My guest today is Reed Jade Richmond. She's an acclaimed business and legal strategist who empowers women to embrace their true power bossness and turn their business into an empire. From rock-solid business structures to impenetrable contracts, she shows them how to get legal, legit, and profitable. A first-generation college graduate, Rejade finished law school determined to live the fairy tale that every up-and-coming attorney dreams of. Seven-figure salary, partnership, prestige. Rejade landed a position with one of the top intellectual property firms in the Detroit metro area and quickly earned her superstar spot working on the continued preservation of Malcolm X's and Alex Haley's heirs' legacy. A complicated labor left her 1.3-pound baby in the NICU and rejade with complex health, health problems. She ended up bankrupt but risked it all to have it all. She's committed to helping women build something big and understand all the words above the dotted line and the value of the assets that could make or break their bottom line. Remember, my guests and I aren't giving you professional, financial, or legal advice. The information we're sharing is for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you need help, be sure to seek out a trained professional, whether it's a financial advisor, tax professional, legal expert, or healthcare provider. That being said, listen in as Rejade and I discuss how you may be actually running a fraudulent business and how to make it legit. Why you need to pay Uncle Sam first and not you. The legal concept of liability and how to protect yourself and your assets. The importance of having an attorney review anything you sign before you sign it. How business relationships are like marriage. How to hire an attorney for your business. The basics of intellectual property and what should be protected. And why it's not always worth it to use images from a stock image site, whether you pay for them or not. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, Rejade, I'm so excited to have you here. Let's just dive right in. All right, let's go. All right, good, great. This is such a big topic. We could go on for days, I'm sure. I mean, you are an attorney, so it took you years right. to study this, so we could really cover a lot of stuff here, but I think there are two really big issues that I'd like to focus on. First is this issue of, as you put it, making sure your business is not a fraud, 
right? Mm -hmm. And then there is the whole issue of protecting what we're building. And there's so much scary stuff out there that, like I said, we could just go on for days. But let's dive right in and talk first about the whole fraud thing. So right. why don't you explain what you mean by that? And then let's talk about, well, how the heck can we remedy that situation? Right. So number one is we get a lot of people doing business online. They say they're business owners, but they have yet to file their business, like business entity formation. Okay. That yeah. means filing your business in the state in which you do business in or reside in. A lot of people, they don't do that. And they say they are, or they do do that, but they don't have a tax ID number. So they're just doing business through PayPal, Cash App, Square, you name it. And they don't have a business checking account. So to me, they're fraudulent. You're not really doing real business. You're running and basically an expensive hobby. Okay. Now, isn't it true that technically, right and we're not we're not tax specialists we're not giving you tax advice and anything rejade says you're not a client of hers at this point we're talking about broad issues here right. so let's just get that out of the way right absolutely but there's an element of being a solopreneur right you're just okay. just yourself that you can kind of get away with just using your your social security number, let's say, right, as your official no. designation. No, all right, so clear that up. No, so even if it's just you, there's still business paperwork you have to do, even if you're a DBA or a sole, a sole proprietor, um, you still have to register that with your state to do business. Right, right, because so now let's, I'm gonna stop you right there. So, so explain what DBA is in case people don't get that. Yep, it means doing business as under a fictitious name or it right. can be your name. Right. Okay, great. So somebody needs to, I mean, you can, it's wherever you happen to reside, right? You've got to find out what the rules are for your particular Absolutely. state. And this is the joy of living in the United States. Yep. It, it truly is the United States. So each individual state has its own regulations and they uh, let me tell you they can be let's just say problematic just confusing yeah. right you've got to yeah. go here to, to to and you've got to designate a particular category of business let's say and then there yeah. are regulations around that particular category of business i remember yeah. back when i first went out on my own holy cow the aggravation of just designating the specific category of business that I and I lived at the time in the great state of New Jersey uh, or South Jersey the 51st state and uh, it was it's you know I'm not going to catch you it was red tape full of pain in the neck regulations that you had to adhere to so but the point is you got to do it right right absolutely what kind of specific protections does somebody get that should add to their incentive to get this done? Um, what do you mean? Are, are there some kind of, well, is there, you know, because people are going, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. What's I mean, going to get them off the dime to do it? It's illegal to run a business that's not registered. Mm -hmm. That's it's, it's illegal. Right. Um, especially if you're collecting money, additional money, and you're not paying taxes on it. That's oh, well. That's, that's another, that's a federal issue, and you can be put in federal prison for that. Yeah, those people got Al Capone. <laughs> so that's one person that you never mess with is Uncle Sam. So right. the whole idea of pay yourself first, I tell people, no, you pay the put government first. Yeah. <laughs> Put that tax money to the side, right. pay, it, pay it quarterly if you're not going to pay right. it at the end of the year in one large sum, just right. stay on top of it. <laughs> yes, that's right. But pay the government first. Absolutely. Mess with that. So, and, and we won't get into the whole, should I pick an LLC? Should I do an incorporated right. there? Cause that's, that really is specific. Right, right. That's really specific to your particular set of circumstances and what's best for you your business your 
you know, et cetera. So we're not going to dive in. The whole purpose of choosing a business structure does determine your liability. It determines how you're liable to the company. Right. And it also determines your tax liability. Yeah. So let's, let's expand a little bit on that. And then we'll talk about some scary examples when it comes to liability. So can you explain a little bit more about the whole concept of liability and why this becomes so important? Well, it's just generally what I just said. It determines your liability to the company. Right. So depending upon, because we're not talking about the different tax structures, so I really can't get into that. Right. But it, whatever your business tax, I mean, business structure is, it that specifies who's liable to the company if someone gets sued. Can they come after your personal assets right. or business assets? And then how much you pay in taxes. Right. So it all like who pays taxes? Do you pay taxes? Does the business pay taxes? Right. Right. And that all depends on your business structure, which so, you select. So when we say liability, we're talking about responsibility. The, that's a, it's a legal concept of it, that you are responsible for the actions of this business. And, and that is, said, when we talk about liability in terms of business, it's two types. It's personal liability right. and business right. liability. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of personal liability that most people don't get in general. Um, I remember when I was in, in corporate life as a human resources professional, right. again, in the great state of New Jersey, if somebody sued, I was a recruiter, if somebody decided to sue, I could be held personally liable as a recruiter. This was in the state of New Jersey. So there's lots of liability in there. And, mm -hmm. and that's, again, responsibility and who is on the hook if right. there's some kind of, you know, let's just call it a judgment against you, right? Right, yeah. Absolutely. So an example, I'm going to get toss out something that happened to a friend of mine, and okay. I'll let you maybe talk about some of the big key issues here, because there are really lots of them, I think. This really, you know, this whole topic, I think, is something that uh, involves legal profession, somebody like you, an expert in the law, uh, insurance, right? Because there you're talking about risk management and protection. Then there's the whole tax issue and finance issues. So I had a friend who had a legit business, as you would say. She had, a, it was all on the up and up. She had all of her documents, etc. She was an event planner for Fortune 500 companies. So she was dealing with really big businesses on her own. It was a partnership. And again, an official partnership that ended badly. And because it happened to be, the, her partner happened to be her, her life partner, her right. boyfriend at the time. So he somehow involves her, I don't remember all the details, he somehow hooks her on a lawsuit. And just defending the lawsuit cleaned out her finances. She, and unfortunately, timing being what it is, at the same time, she's in the process of fighting this lawsuit, the crash happens. Right. So her business took a tank as well, just because people weren't, you know, spending money on, on big events, there were corporate mergers, etc. So can you talk about what could she have done? And again, we're just kind of filling in the blanks here because I really don't remember all the details. What, what could somebody do to protect themselves? I mean, we both know that somebody can sue you about over anything. It's proving it, right, is the issue. Right. What, does, what do we need to think about, though, when it comes to protecting ourselves from potential lawsuits from anybody? As a business, yeah, what do we have to do? It's really interesting. Um, I don't know the details, the specific details with her arrangement with her boyfriend, but I'm assuming there must have been some type of contract somewhere that had her linked to the company, whatever he was doing. Right. And that's how she became liable. So there's things that you can put in contracts that indemnifies you, meaning that you want, that means that you won't be responsible for liability. And I'm assuming there was no indemnification clause in there between her Probably. and the boyfriend, which mean, meant that 
if someone sued him, they're jointly and several liable, meaning that they're both on the hook for certain things um, into sharing that responsibility. So say he could have said like, hey, I don't have the money, but my partner does. And then they can go after her because she is a partner. They don't have to go after him because he doesn't have the money. But if she has the, the funds to support the damages of whatever was happening, then they could potentially go after her as well. Right. So contracts is key, knowing what's in your contract, making sure that whatever contract you're sign is, signing is also mutually beneficial for you as well versus the person that's asking you to sign it. Right. So let's talk, let's pick that particular issue for a second. The issue of contracts, agreements, scopes of work, you know, that, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, <laughs> I know for a fact there are lots of people out there who don't have these particular things. Then there are also people who go to Staples right. and buy a fill-in-the-blanks, right, because they're right there in the document section at the office supply store, right? So what are some things, I mean, that's better than nothing, but what, what are some things that people really need to think about? And again, I know it depends on the nature of your particular business, but let's just talk loosely about coaches and consultants. That's probably the bulk of our viewership or listenership. What are some things that we need to really think about in terms of creating these agreements, which is what a contract is, to, right. really, so that we are, you know, we're thinking about, you know, what's the worst case scenario and how likely is that to happen and what do we need to have to protect ourselves? Well, you need to think about your interests, right? Number one, I always tell people, just because someone sends you a contract, don't just sign it. Think about, yes. think about what do you want from that relationship? Because really a contract is a relationship. That's why I tell people to think of as it is, you know. It's a relationship, you know, you're bound to it like a marriage, <laughs> you know, you have yeah. to think about how do you want to benefit in this situation, you know, and so, you you know, what do you, what are you willing to compromise, again, a marriage, you know, you have to think about all these right. different components, you know, and I always tell people, when you're going into agreements with people, what are you trying to, think about you for once, be selfish, think about what do you want out of this arrangement? And then you look at the contract and say, okay, am I getting what I really want? Is this really in my best interest? Right. How do I win in this situation? Yeah. And then after you get the clear on that and you see how it relates in the contract, <clears throat> you need to ask yourself, okay, what is my liability? How am I going to be impacted by this contract? If I if I make a mistake in breach, how am I like what's my penalties? Right. Um, also think about the term. <clears throat> how long are you gonna be in this relationship? Um, also um, think about confidentiality. Do you want other people in the, to have this information, knowledge of this contract? Is there a, a certain secrecy to it? You know, is there a non-disclosure agreement to it? Um, right. So those are the key things I say when we're looking at a contract, think about, think about it like that. You know, what are the benefits to you? I always tell people, if you don't see a benefit in it for you, don't sign it. Right. There's a lot of contracts out there that's one-sided. And if you're signing, if you sign it and it's not illegal, you're bound to it. Yeah. Yeah. That in itself is a great point. So you, this is why you need to have your own attorney to mm -hmm. review it. The average contract is not written in plain English. The yeah. average contract is written in this legalese. legalese. <laughs> right, right, right. And depending on how, how deeply into legalese the attorney who created it wants to get. <coughs> My husband is a corporate lawyer and he tends to write in as plain English as he possibly can, but it, there's still an awful lot of legalese that has to be written, right? Because it's, it's a legal document, so it needs right. to say certain things. So each person, depending on your state, you have the right to have an attorney review it. It is worth the time and money to have your attorney review it. Yes. So, you know, whether you use some kind of you know, legal site, or you have your own attorney, you got to have somebody who's looking out for you, 
right? The yeah, person absolutely. who created that is looking out for their client when they crafted that content or uh, the content of the document. So they're not thinking about you. Yeah, right? which is why you have to have somebody on your side and I think it's why attorneys are, are considered advocates right they're the advocate for their particular client right so I think those are great points you mentioned uh, you mentioned breach so let's right. just clarify that when somebody's in breach of co contract what does that mean this means that you didn't do what you said you were gonna do that's stated in the contract right right which, not that that doesn't happen, right? If you're in an agreement to do maybe a scope of work and the project changes, as right. it sometimes does, do you issue some kind of, <clears throat> would an addendum be the right way to, to, to talk about yeah, that? If there things should are be, before the work is done and there needs to be an adjustment, there should be an addendum to the original contract, yep. Right. Saying that the first contract is still valid, but we're modifying whatever section you're modifying. Right. Yeah. 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 That is super, super important. And the bigger organization that you, that, that you are working with, you know, if you're some kind of subcontractor or something, you want to make sure that that is very, very clear. I worked at a freelance for an agency and yeah, we would just say, we do it in email. This is related to this particular document, paragraph X. This is now a change of that. And, and we agree that this is what we're now doing. And yes, okay, right. I agree. But yeah, have something in writing that protects you. I think that's a really important point. Um, let's talk just briefly about how somebody decides who they should hire as their attorney, because there are you know, there's a lot of attorneys out there, just like there are a lot of coaches. Right. There are people who, just like coaches, are general practitioners and then people who specialize. So can you talk a little bit about how somebody goes about identifying who would be a good business attorney for them? Um, I think, you know, it's also about personality. Um, you should always go with someone you can understand that can explain the law to you in a way that makes sense to you and it's not a bunch of legal ease. Also, you need to depending upon what you're going to the attorney for, right? Because there's different aspects of law, and not all attorneys are business lawyers. Not all attorneys understand intellectual property. They may understand business entity formation, but they may not understand contracts, or they may not understand intellectual property, which when we talk about trademarks, patents, and copyrights, so you, I would say anytime you go to a small business attorney or a business law attorney, you need to ask them what are they, what are their area expertise and how do they help small business owners. Um, so you need to be very clear on what they know because not all of them are like me and they know all these different areas. Some just specializes in different aspects of business law, right. but it's not the full spectrum of business law. Right. Yeah. Uh, great, great points. And th it's, it's like going to a doctor, yeah. right? Like going to a dentist. If you have a dental problem, you're not going to your chiropractor. Right. Right. The guy or, or lady who handled your real estate transaction, the chances are very good. That person is not going to be able to handle your business law unless they're part of a bigger firm and there right. is a, a business a attorney in there, but it's, it's specialty. That's yeah. really what it's all about. And I think you made a really great point about the fact that intellectual property, my gosh, that is its own specialty. Mm -hmm. And there are people who just specialize in that. God bless them. You know, thank right. goodness they do. Then there are people who specialize just in tax law. Mm -hmm. There are people who, who have all, I mean, that's really the nature of what I call a slice of a slice, where you right. take that narrow focus you are the go-to expert. So it really does depend on, I think, also, what's your style? Are you comfortable with going to someone who has maybe a few business specialties under their belt? Or do you want somebody who's, no, just trademarks and, and copyright and that kind of stuff is, is just what I want? So, yeah, it really is understanding what your needs are. And you may have several people who you go to. Right. right? Absolutely. Okay, great. So now let's talk then about this issue of protecting what we're building. Holy cow, we create right. so much content and some of that content is free on online, right? We put it ungated content on our website. 
we share stuff on social media, and then we create content that we end up selling, right, as part right. of a book, a course, or whatever. So let's focus just on some very basic elements of thinking about this content that we're creating and protecting what we're building. What do you think is um, maybe one of the biggest things that people need to focus on first? Um, you just need to really focus on, when we talk about protecting assets, that means we're protecting something that's financial, right? And so if it's not, it's important to understand what an asset is. And like I like to tell my clients that an asset is things that has a value that has a resale value. If it does not have a resale value, it makes no sense to protect it. Um, so assets is just not limited to things that's in your bank account. It's also is limited to what you create, what is yours, what's part of your company, what are you selling? Those things are your assets. And so those are things that you definitely want to protect. Okay. Um, when we talk about our content that we are creating constantly, if it's not making money again, that's not something you want to protect. So if you have an e-guide that's for free, that may not be something you may want to copyright. However, if it's an online course that you're selling, now that's something you want to protect because that's an asset because right. you value. So I'm going to stop you right there. So let's talk about this because just from its most basic level. So people think that, well, I put the little copyright thing down there. Mm -hmm. Isn't that enough? No. So there's something in law that says that the copyright symbol is common law, a common law copyright, which means that it's assumed, presumed that you are the creator, owner of that product, content, whatever it is. Right. Now, if someone is using it, copy, say someone cop copies and pastes your website and you have the copyright C on the website. You have no legal recourse if you did not file a registered copyright. So basically the copyright C, if you have no registered copyright, meaning you file, that's just putting them on notice that someone is the owner. But if you don't take that additional step to file it, you have no legal claim to it, even though it's initially presumed to be yours. But in order to have a legal claim to it, you have to file and register that copyright. So, so you're saying that just a basic website is really not worth it to go through the... I didn't say that. No? Okay. okay, so clarify that for if me. If it's not making money, what I said that mm -hmm. if you just put the copyright C down there, um, you're just putting people on notice. If okay. you want to have a claim to sue someone for using that content, you want to file a registered copyright. Okay. So if your content on your website is valuable, then you want to actually register that copyright. But if you just put a copyright C on it and someone copies and pastes it, then you have no legal claim. Got it. Okay. So therefore, I mean, we're all creating content to make it as part of our sales process, right? <laughs> so it has a direct dollar value right then yeah okay great great so I got that then so okay so that's our basic website content cop, uh, information that we're sharing right. then we put our content together and now we've got a book mm -hmm. right let's just say so there's the free ebook but then there's also the book book right something we're right. actually going to put up for sale whether we do it on Amazon or make it a, a purchase on our, our website. How about the differences there with a, protecting something that is just, just an opt-in versus something that we're going to sell? Are there things that we need to keep in mind about copyrights? Do they, do, every time we make a change, do we have to change the copyright? How does that work? Mm -hmm. So, it, Again, it depends on your business goals, depends okay. on what you're trying to do. Again, copyright in its basic form is presumed that you are the owner, but if you want to recoup damages, you have to register the copyright. So it's just really the type of content that you're putting out there. If you don't want someone copying and pasting it and using pieces of it, then you're going to register your copyright. I mean, it's just that simple. Um, it's, 
there's nothing difficult about copyrights. If you don't want someone copying and using it and repurposing it, you're going to register the copyright. Um, when it comes to updating, I mean, if you like have, when it comes to updating, <coughs> you file a new copyright. It's just a new copyright. If there's a new addition or value, you're just filing a new copyright. So there's okay. no update. You're just filing a new copyright application. Okay. And and who do you register that with? Is it directly with the Library of Congress? Is it with your state? How does that work? It's federal. Copyrights are federal, so it's not with the state. And it's copyright.gov. That's where you go to file it. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Excellent. So So we've got the content that we're creating, things that need to be copyrighted. What about, you know, we spend so much time, effort, and, uh, and money to create logos and branding and color palettes and all of this kind of stuff. How does that work? What do you decide gets trademarked? And I know, again, these are whole courses and, and specialties, so we're just, we're just hitting the highlights here. Right. But what are some things to think about with, when it comes to trademarking? <laughs> Well, when we talk about trademarks, the whole purpose of a trademark is to protect the brand's identity. So, for example, what do people think about when they think of your brand? Um, when we think about McDonald's, what do we think about? The big M? The gold marches, right. The jingles. Those are things that will be trademarked because that's that brand business identity. So, anything that's related to your business identity right. is something that you want to trademark. Now, here's a caveat, which means the key to getting a trademark is that it's not enough to create a logo or have a fancy slogan. You have to actually show that it's in the stream of commerce, meaning that's a fancy way of saying you're making a sale with this particular prop name slogan, image, design work, whatever it is, you have to show that it's connected in the stream of commerce. Otherwise, they will deny your trademark because the whole purpose of a trademark is to protect that brand's identity for someone infringing upon and making money off of that other person's brand's identity. Right. So another issue there then is the uniqueness. Is that right? Of that particular image? It doesn't have to be unique. It, okay. It could be playing as Jane. <laughs> it, okay. It does not have to be unique. The key is that it's connected in the cell and is representative of your brand. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, how about the the slogan, the tagline? Because mm -hmm. and I know that's an issue. And then back to, to the general trademark, there's the there's the image, and then and then there are the words, right? So how does how does that work? How are they different? Um, what do you mean different? Is it, are they, are they the same? Do you trademark? It's called a slogan mark, isn't it? When you trademark yeah. the, the words, how does that? Yeah. They're just separate trademark applications. Okay. Yep. Okay. And that is, I'm going to guess, and a function of the difference, right? I, cause I can't say, you know, back in the day, McDonald's used to have this slogan, you deserve a break today. Right. right? Yeah. You, so you can't say something that is already connected to another business. Is that right? Right, correct. Yes. Yeah. So when you're when you're paying someone to come up with your tagline, and right. uh, like I said, I used to work at an agency. You're you're paying the agency to come up with the visual identity, the icon or right. logo that people think of. Then you may be paying them to come up with a tagline. Whose responsibility is it to make sure that because it's so hard when you've got, you know, you never know where that idea originally came from and it, it resembles mm -hmm. something. Is it the design agency's responsibility or the designer's responsibility to make sure that that image they come up with is not accidentally uh, similar to somebody else's image? Or is it you, the business owner? Who has that? Depends on their contract. I don't know. Depends, okay. Depends on their agreement with one another. So that's but so that issue then is something that you, the buyer, the right, need to make clear between right. you and the designer. Then right, that's part of your conversation with them. Right. So that's something then like that the business owner needs to think about. They need to understand like, are they using stock of something else and recreating, or are they creating original content? Especially when you're working with designers. Yeah. So um, that's something they 
they have to ask like what does your agreement say what does it say when you bought it yeah that's let's talk about that a little bit this issue of images and i'm just as you're saying things things are coming to me and i'm, I'm making note of them this issue of images so way back when i like i said i worked at this agency and um we had we were in a networking group mm -hmm. and there was a you know how in some groups there's only one of a particular business in in the group they're yeah. organized that way so in this group like they fudged because we were an agency but this other guy he he only did websites so right. he was so that's how they got both of us in this group so anyway one of our clients came to us they had gotten him to do their website and they had gotten a cease and desist letter over the photographs that he used on their website they were going to be i think the the whoever it was that was going after them wanted forty thousand dollars and to stop immediately so apparently this guy never secured royalty free and even then there are some issues right so let's talk about this whole issue of images one just because it's online doesn't make it free right, right? so can you talk a little bit about royalty free images and and that kind of thing well i don't really get into that um okay. i don't use them personally um okay. it's just you just have to be careful with copyrights and you know if you want to you know just because it's on google doesn't mean that it's not someone's copyrighted image um there's ways to check and see in terms of you know just doing research online seeing where that image came from originally and if you want to use it you have to get written permission um i just would be careful with stock photos i always tell people because not all these companies are really getting permission from the original owner so say even if you are buying a license i had a client she did buy a license through i want to say it was iStock. Mm -hmm. yes she used um she had she used the license on some of the photos and she had proof of it but she still got a cease and desist she was using the photos on her blog and she still got a cease and desist yeah. letter and you know she got sued she you know she had to pay ten thousand dollars for using these images right then even then i told her we were going to go after iStock to get your money back because they advertised that these were royalty free and you have a license to use them when in fact that wasn't true. So I just tell people, it's always best if you can create your own original content um, or pay someone to take original photos for you. Right. Um, because nowadays people are just copying and pasting and remixing these photos and they really don't have permission from these owners. And now technology is so advanced now that there's, there's systems that scans the internet for specific images that are copyrighted by some people they pay to have programs do this for them so they can sue people just for using their images online yeah yeah that and uh, so this is a bigger issue than people most people think <laughs> mm -hmm. and i think that it it does speak to take pictures of you take pictures yeah. of your you know you people want to see that right right yeah, people want to see that stuff. too and we all know what's a stock photo and what's not a stock right. photo, right? It's pretty obvious. Absolutely. So I think that, that, yeah, having that connection of, no, this is really me. That's my cat. These are, you know, yeah. I think there's a, there's a plus to that, a, a certain element of no like and trust, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and yes, it'll keep your behind out of potential hot water with some of these sites some of them have and iStock is one of them they'll have these really you know you can only use this here on tuesday and then you can't use that here and if you're gonna yeah. make so and they're so complicated that just i'll just make my own <laughs> it's just exactly easier, right so and then the other issue also is if you're going to make money like you can use it but if you're going to make money and obviously yeah. your blog is set up so you make money right yep. somehow yeah. so yeah right right that's a whole nother set of issues so i know that again back to content as we look to create books and products and things like that i know that the thought of paying a designer to create these images gives people a headache or an ache in the pocketbook but it's much better to pay for something that's original 
than to, oh, I'll use this image off of iStock or wherever, and that's my book cover or my product exactly. cover. I don't think so. Yeah, and, and, and really, those people get messed up with the book covers when they're writing books. <laughs> right. They have a designer do something, and the designer's using something that is someone else's copyrighted material, and right. they just try to modify it a little bit. That becomes a big issue. <laughs> it does. So I think another word of caution here, then, is you really want to be very careful about the designers that you work with. You know, this guy I'm, that I'm, I was talking about, he was a legit business, but he cut a lot of corners mm -hmm. and then you're on the hook. And, and, you know, let's just talk about the stress involved with a lawsuit. Right. Right. <laughs> Even if you win it, is this a fun time for anybody? No, because it's just stressful. It's incredibly <laughs> it's stressful. Night, it's a nightmare. Uh, no one wants to, you know, and it impacts your ability to make money. You know, sometimes when you're in lawsuit, your funds are froze. Your business funds are frozen, depending upon the nature of the suit. It's just a big mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is where working with somebody who understands the risks that you're exposed to. Mm -hmm. I think is really super important. So we're talking about things like you had made a promise that you couldn't, that's really the nature of a contract, right? You're making a promise that right. you're going to do certain things. You're going to deliver a certain outcome. And we know when people get pissed off, they'll sue you. Right. Right. They'll sue you for, for whatever reason. So that more than anything else, I think is why, you want to make sure that you are dealing with people that you can really trust right. around these big issues. You know, I see these stories regularly that talk about how, oh, you can start a business for $20. <laughs> you can just, right? And it just makes me laugh because I know that technically. so much more to it. It's just so much more to it that, there is. you know, we just live in this fast-paced society. Got to have it now. And everyone wants to cut corners the quickest and fastest way possible and the cheapest way. And I like to say, you get what you pay for You know, you, do. you may pay $25 now, but you may be paying $25,000 in the next year because <laughs> you wanted to skip corners and go the cheap route. Right, right. So let's talk then just for a, on a limited basis about insurance. Mm -hmm. So many people work out of their house, which there are zoning issues around, around that maybe in your, your local community. But let's, let's talk about this issue of, of insurance because I think of contracts almost as insurance because I'm spelling out what I'm going to do, what you're going to do, and what we're going to have together. So how does insurance fit in then? Does, is that just this added level of protection? Can you talk about that as best you can? I know you're not an insurance expert. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, contracts is your best insurance because you have everything spelled out. Right. Um, but when it comes to business insurance, like I always tell people how – how much business are you doing? How exposed are you? Are you doing business all over the world? Are you doing business that amounts to million-dollar deals? Like, you know, how much are you exposing yourself to liability um, really determines if business insurance is the right fit for you. Now, there's different types of business insurance. There's insurance that covers you when you are doing physical events, like local events. Mm -hmm. There's insurance that protects you when you get sued you know, your liability. Um, so it really just depends. And it also depends on your jurisdiction because in some jurisdictions, it requires you to have business insurance. I um, mean, it also requires you to have a license to do business in whatever city you're in. Right. So it just really depends on your local jurisdiction laws. But business insurance essentially is like car insurance. You know, in the event that there's an accident, a boo-boo you make, it protects you. It covers you. And there's, like I said, there's different types of insurance, business insurance policies. So you would have to defer to your policy to see what it covers you for, um, because there is limitations to that as well. So, like same thing as car insurance. There's certain limitations. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. And But I think that's a great analogy that you don't drive around in a car that is uninsured, I hope. Uh, you have coverage that protects you as well as in the event that you bang into someone or someone bangs into you. And so business insurance is kind of the same type of thing. You yeah. mentioned something that I think is a really important issue, and that's looking at your business as a whole, because mm -hmm. of course, so many people want to get into doing live events, right? Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing. So I remember when I started to do live events, and I had this bright idea to, to do one, and I was using a facility that gave me the use of the property for free. Right. Only if I did it under their umbrella, right? So, so they were the big, the big name, if you will, and I was the, the featured contributor, the feature speaker, if you will. If, if it was the other way where I was the big name and they were the, the fine print, you know, and it was hosted at their, their venue, I had to have the insurance. So right. that's a bit, and, you know, that certainly changed everything for me because I just wasn't ready to have event insurance. And so, yeah, that's a big issue is you start to think about, yeah, I'm going to have a, a live event. You need to start thinking about, if, if that's a whole separate type of insurance, right? Yeah. 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 And those are things that involve the physical property and your, what you're going to be doing at that event. So, yeah, so there's things like this are a lot more complicated than most people make them out. And that's why I thought it was so important that, especially because, like it or not, we live in a litigious society. Yes. And it's we important. everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, even when you're protected, somebody can always sue you for anything. God bless America. And Absolutely. and it's it's a matter of proving it, but still you want to be you want to feel confident that you've done the best you possibly can to protect yourself and really it's also to protect your family and your future, right? Because right. my friend I think is a good bad example. She was wiped out. Right. Wiped out. Her, she had plenty of savings, thank God, but it wiped her savings out and timed with the market crash, it devastated her. And if she probably had business insurance, she probably would have broke even, you know what I'm saying? It probably would have helped out a lot where she wasn't completely wiped out. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it just the stress. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Horrible, horrible, horrible. So let's talk then about what you specifically do and and what your focus is and tell people where they can go to learn learn more about you yeah so what i do is i help women entrepreneurs protect their assets so i focus on business entity formation trademarks copyrights and contracts i remove patents we don't do those anymore but those are the areas that we focus on now um, that's all we do. We eat, sleep, and breathe it. <laughs> and if people are interested, they can go to rejaderichmond.com. Great. Awesome. And, and so you work a lot with both physical businesses in your, in your region, but you also work with people all over the place around right. whatever the online kind of, uh, yeah. businesses, right? Yeah. 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 Which uh, let me tell you, is hard to find so that's what makes uh, makes an extra an extra boost then to to talk to somebody who really does understand what you're dealing with as you're trying to get your business out there rather than having to explain now they have this thing called the internet and let right. me explain how this works so great and of course we'll have links to all of uh, the ways you can reach Rejaden and uh, the copyright.gov and all of those other yep. government resources so you can find the information that you need there. So fabulous talking to you as always. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. It's much appreciated.
I hope you found that useful. If you like this episode, please share it with your connections and consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. When you subscribe on my website at winnieanderson.com fans, you'll get episodes emailed to you each week along with the corresponding worksheets for that episode. In addition to the episodes, you'll get information, tips, and resources to help you sell your services even though you hate to sell, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals. All right, so your cocktail exercise, otherwise known as a reflection exercise, no alcohol needs to be involved, don't overindulge, don't drink and drive. Your reflection exercise is really to think about the risks that you're exposed to in your work, whether you're a freelancer in the gig economy, a solo professional, or you run a small firm. Ask yourself if you're 100% confident that you have solid contracts and agreements. Do you have a document trail when changes are made to an agreement? Do you have the insurance that you need? Are you copywriting and trademarking things that are important to you? If you're unsure, Rejade has a short quiz on her website that you can take, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And your action step. I think a legal audit or an exposure audit is probably a good step for you to take. Sometimes it's worth it to pay for an hour of someone's time to get clear on what your next best step is. Rejade offers a legal audit through her website, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. You can also speak to a business attorney in your area or reach out to one of several online legal services. You can also reach out to your local bar association or other businesses in your area. One word of caution, though, is if you operate online, you want to make sure that you work with an attorney who understands that world, the risks and the requirements. If you like this episode, please share it with your connections and please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. Be sure to subscribe either on that platform like iTunes or Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or you can subscribe to the video version on my YouTube channel. But when you subscribe on my website at winnieanderson.com fans, you'll get episodes emailed to you each week along with the corresponding worksheet for that episode. In addition to the episodes, you'll get information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals so you can profit from your expertise. Remember, if you're an introverted solo professional or someone with, an in, with introverted leanings, you're ready to get support to reach your business goals as part of a community of like-minded and like-personality professionals, then head over to winnieanderson.com slash join the group and join my Courageous Success Facebook community. It's for introverted, mission-driven entrepreneurs, and it's where I share tips and strategies to help you choose faith over fear and take consistent action to achieve your goals. Thanks for listening, and remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.